it's going to be a great day. We are, just like Pastor Steve said, we are in week two of a new series that we're calling Thanksgiving Feasts. Um, and a little on the front end, we want you to know here at Faith Church, we are a church for everybody, okay? I don't care where you're at on your spiritual journey, whether you have been doing this for a long time, you're very familiar with church and what it looks like, and, and you've heard hundreds or thousands of sermons, or maybe you're here and you're honestly one of those people that you're like, I don't even know if this God thing is real. I don't know that I like him if he is real. Um, maybe you're on that end, but listen, wherever you're at, we're just glad you're here and we're not concerned with your questions. We're not concerned with your doubts because God isn't concerned with your questions and your doubts. We just know if you'll come long enough and you'll give him a chance, God will show up and he'll show you that he's real. He'll show you that he's still moving, that he's still faithful. He's still performing miracles. So we want you to come and we understand that there are people every single Sunday that come into our doors, that sit in these seats, that are in very different places. So this series, we've kind of set it up. We've called it Thanksgiving Feast because ultimately what a Thanksgiving feast is, is you show up at your mom's house or you show up at grandma's house and you like fill your plate the first time around, right? Like you start off and you're like, I'm going to be good. And then you just keep going because there's like, I didn't know that was there. And by the time you're done, it's like a mound, right? And so then you eat it and you're like, I'm good. Until like five minutes later, you go back for seconds, right? And then you, you eat that. And then you go to the living room and you sit down and you might have to like adjust your pants a little bit. And then you watch the Detroit Lions lose like they do every single year. Um, and then you go back for thirds, right? Like you just keep filling yourself and you end up a lot more round than you went into it the day. It's, it's great. You see, here at Faith Church, this is, this is kind of what we've set this series to be. We want to stuff you so that when you come out, you're like, man, hopefully you say that was good, but I'm full, like I'm, I'm filled up. We kind of use this verse, Pastor Steve used it last week. You'll see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. The Apostle Paul said this. He was speaking to a group of people as he came back, kind of describing to them how he had to teach them. And he said this, I had to talk to you as though you belong to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. You see, in, in communication, the number one rule is that you have to know your audience. If you want to communicate and you want to communicate effectively, you have to know who you're talking to. And then you have to know how to communicate to them so that they can understand and receive it. So what Paul's saying, and he actually goes on and uses this illustration with these guys of, listen, last time I came, I had to talk to you guys like you, like you were infants. And he tells them with this illustration, it's like I had to feed you with milk. I couldn't give you, couldn't give you solid food because you weren't ready for that yet. And that's okay. And some of you, you're here today and like, you're still on that milk diet. Like, you're still like trying to figure out like, wait, who was that Moses guy that you talked about? Or, okay, like, what, what's all this deal about? You're still piecing it together and that's okay. And it was okay with Paul because he was fine giving them milk. But there always comes a point in time where you have to say, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to move on. Pastor Steve just told you one of our core values as a church is for you guys to grow. And we want you to grow. We want you to be able to take in solid food at some point, right? It's really, really cute. Like, I've talked about my kids a lot. If you know me, I love my kids. And I've got two eight-year-olds, almost nine. And then I've got a three-year-old um, who's like He-Man on steroids. And he's an awesome little dude. He's got this long blonde hair. And like, he stays tan all year, which really frustrates me because I'm like, I don't know how that happens. Um, <laughs> But it is the cutest thing, like, in the summertime, because he'll be hanging out by our pool, and he's got the kiddie pool, right? And, like, he'll throw his little swimmies on up, you know, and he wants the, the snorkel like brothers have. And so he gets in his little kiddie pool, and it's all cute. And it's like, oh, Liam, he's, 
He's in the kiddie pool. But you know what's not cute? If I put on the swimmies on my arms and I get the snorkel and I go splash around in the kiddie pool, right? Like at some point you have to graduate from that. So that's what we want to do in this series. We're kind of throwing some solid food your way. And if it's kind of, if it's kind of heavy on you, it's okay. If it challenges you a little bit, it's okay. Don't, don't allow it to scare you away. Don't allow it to freak you out. This is going to be some deep topics, but I promise you, through this series, you will grow if you'll open up your heart, if you'll allow God to speak to you. So before I go any further, I'm going to kind of put a disclaimer out there for all you guys. Um, I've been doing the preaching thing for a while now, and I've understood at this point, like, it's really important for you guys to know what I'm saying, but it's also really important for you to know what I'm not saying. So here's my disclaimer, Okay. I want you to know this is, this is what I believe. This is what is true. God absolutely has the ability with one word in one moment to give you 100% freedom. God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere. He is the beginning. He is the end. God can do anything God wants to do. He can give you freedom. However, based on Scripture, based on what you see throughout the Bible, throughout the history of everybody that I know, I can tell you that what is way more likely to happen for God to do is not that he is going to free you, but that he is going to deliver you. And so today the entire message is based around this idea that we all as Christians, we all as people have to understand that there's a big difference between being delivered and being free. Okay, I want to show you a scripture, the Apostle Paul speaking. He's talking in the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 13. He's talking to them, and he says, listen, he, being God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the Apostle Paul is speaking to a group of people about the power of God. He's just went through and he's, he's praised God for all that he is. And then he tells them, listen, God has delivered us from darkness. He's speaking of salvation. He's speaking that, that in the cross and everything that Jesus did, paying that price for you and I, he delivered us. Very, very important. He delivered us. And you're going to understand why here in a few minutes. So for the next little bit, I wanted to be able to like take this and just like read you every single scripture that I wanted to. Um, but I'm going to do my best in the next like three minutes maybe um, to try and summarize an entire book of the Bible for you um, just so I can kind of get you to see where we're going. Pastor Steve kind of talked last week. If you didn't get last week, if you missed part one for whatever reason, I challenge you go back and listen to week one. Great opening um, to this series, amazing message about being in hiding, right? And how, how we're all, we find ourselves in times at hiding and God puts you in hiding to prepare you for the place that he has for you to go. And he talked last week about this guy named Moses, right? Moses was a big deal. He was in hiding. He ended up being hid in Pharaoh's house, grew up as one of Pharaoh's um, children. He ultimately ends up getting put out because he kills a slave master. And so God has to hide him on the backside of a desert. And, but there came this point where Moses was told by God, okay, I'm tired of you being in hiding. That time is over. Now it's time for you to come out of hiding because I've got a job for you. And that's basically the book of Exodus, okay? So we're going to be looking in the book of Exodus. If you got your Bible, you want to kind of follow along quickly. Because where we're going to start 
is a very important. It's at the end of chapter 5 of Exodus, right going in to chapter 6. And there's a heading, if your Bible looks like mine, you'll see um, right at the top, before it actually starts getting, there's like a title. And it's interesting that it says, God promises deliverance. It doesn't say God promises freedom. It says God promises deliverance. And so he tells Moses, see, the nation of Israel at this point in their history, they have been in captivity by Pharaoh and the Egyptians for 400 years, okay? Generations of Israelites, this is God's people. These are his church. They've been in slavery. They've been in bondage to Pharaoh and his people, and they've cried out. They finally get to that point where they say, listen, God, like, I'm tired of this. Like, we can't live this way anymore. God, we need help. And so God sends a deliverer named Moses. Moses goes in, if you know the story, he goes in and he basically tells Pharaoh, hey, listen, I'm here with a message from God. It's time for you to let his people go. Well, Pharaoh ain't all about that life, right? Because the Israelites are basically his workforce. Like you've seen the pictures, Pharaoh's trying to build all these pyramids, right? He's doing all this stuff. He's got an empire he's trying to build. And the nation of Israel are all the people that are doing all the work for him. And so Pharaoh's like, I'm not, give, I'm not letting them go. Like, that's the people that are doing everything for me. Why would I do that? So Moses is really, really cool. You need to read your Bible because like a boss, he just rolls up and is like, all right then. And so then all of a sudden he starts commanding all these plagues to come on Israel. And you go through and like Moses makes it really difficult to be Pharaoh because all of a sudden, like all of a sudden it goes through and there's this plague of blood where all the waters, all the streams and the rivers, the Nile River itself turns to blood. And then you go in and there's a plague of frogs where like frogs are everywhere and a plague of gnats and flies. Their livestock begins to die. Everybody starts getting boils all over them. Like hail starts falling from heaven. Um, Ultimately, they get locust and like darkness falls over the land. And it finally gets to the point after Moses continually, after each plague, Pharaoh, are you tired of it yet? Are you ready to quit and let my people go? And Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not doing it. So finally, this plague comes on the nation of Egypt to where all of their firstborn sons all die, including Pharaoh's son. And that was the breaking point. It finally got to the point where Pharaoh said, okay, I can't do it anymore. And he tells Moses, he tells the Israelites, get out. Like, I'm not just letting you go. I'm kicking you out of here because I'm tired of God messing with me. So he tells them, get out, I'm t- like, your God is going to destroy me if I don't let you go, so please just leave. So Moses comes together, and he leads the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Now, as you read through the Bible, fun fact here, the Bible actually tells us, based on the number of men, the number of women, and what we can estimate, number of kids, there were approximately two and a half million people that were being delivered by Moses out of Egypt. So we're not talking about like, hey, I'm Moses and you guys are the nation of Israel and we're going to like walk out of this place, right? Like the exodus and everything that Moses is doing is the equivalent of God coming to one of you guys and giving you a message saying, hey, I need you to go lead the state of Nevada out of the United States. The population is the same, okay? So this is a massive undertaking. But Pharaoh finally says, okay, go, get out of here. So Moses begins to lead the people out. And so they're, they're now being delivered. They're now going away from slavery and they're making their way out. And if you know the story, it finally comes to this point where Pharaoh's like, wait a minute, like now we got to do all the work. Like we can't do this. Go back and get the slaves and bring them back. And 
God leads them up to the Red Sea. And as you read through the story, if you don't read your Bible, you really need to read your Bible because the children of Israel are just like my kids where like you tell them to do something and then they just stop listening. And God finally gets to the place where he's like, I told you what to do. Why are you asking me again? Like, go do it. And so they get up to the Red Sea and God ends up parting it. And then the kids, the nation of Israel walks across on dry land. And then the Pharaoh's army comes after him. And God basically like kills like everybody, which is awesome. The Bible actually says in Exodus chapter 14, I just love this in verse 30. This is not going to be on the TV, but it says that day, okay, the day that God freed them, they walked across dry land on the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army came in behind them. It says, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. Y'all think the Bible's boring, right? It's like all his army is dead. Like they see bodies everywhere, right? I hear like, let the bodies hit the flow. That's what I hear when I'm... And then in 1431, it says this, and it says, and when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians... The people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. So then in chapter 15, and it kind of goes on, then all of a sudden, like, everything's good. Like, God showed up. We've been delivered. Like, hey, look, we're not having to build pyramids anymore. Everything's great until you get to chapter 16 of Exodus, until you get to chapter 17 of Exodus. Because then all of a sudden, it got to this point where they're like, we got to go back. Like, slavery wasn't that bad. Pharaoh wasn't all that mean. Like, at least we knew what to expect day in and day out. I know they had whips and all that kind of stuff, but... So 16 is all about them complaining and going back. Chapter 17, they actually get to the point that they're ready to stone Moses because they think he's led them out in the middle of nowhere to die. And so Moses is having to pray to God, like, God, you put me out here with all these people. You told me to do this because they asked you to do this, and now they're trying to kill me, so what am I going to do? Ultimately, they get up, they finally make it to this place. God had told them, I have a land that I have promised you. It's called the promised land because God wasn't really feeling creative that day. Um, So I promise you this land, I'm going to call it the promised land, and it's, it's going to be flowing with milk and honey. It is everything that you've ever dreamed. He basically tells his people, the perfect life for you is in the promised land, and it's yours. You just got to go. And so eventually, Moses and the people, they make it up to the promised land like they're looking in and they see it. And so they're like, all right, here's the game plan. We're going to put together a group of like spies, right? We're going to put this team together. They're going to go in and kind of check out the land, make sure everything's good. You come back and give us a report. So he sent 12 spies in. They all come back, right? They're all giving their account. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they're like, hey, we got this. Like the land is exactly what God said it would be. Like they're, they talk about the fruit, right? They talk about grapes being like the size of a man's head. Like they're, they're talking about it's, it's perfect. It's lush. It's... But the other 10 that came back were like, yeah, everything they're saying is right, but we can't go in. We can't take it. Like, we can't live that life. Because you see, there came a point in time in the nation of Israel, in the Exodus, as they're on this journey, where all of a sudden they were faced with the biggest difference between deliverance and freedom. And all of a sudden they had to deal with these labels that had been placed on their life, most of them, For all they could remember, generations of Israelites were born and raised in slavery, in captivity, and in bondage. And when they finally had the opportunity, the land is in front of them to live the life 
that God told them they could have. They said, listen, I, I can't do that. Like, we're not good enough for that. You see, the hard truth is that there's nothing, nothing worse than living in the present with the stain of your past. And you see, we know people, maybe that's you today, where there's something that has happened to you in your past, something that you've been through. Maybe it was a loss. Maybe it was a sickness. Maybe it was an abuse. Whatever it is in your life that at some point tragedy occurred in your life and you began to be labeled by it. Maybe it was a mistake that you made, right? And all of a sudden you begin to carry that weight with you everywhere you go. And there's this life that God has for them, but all they can have in their head is, but we're, we're slaves. Like we can't go in and fight the giants of the land. Like they'll defeat us. You read on in the book of Numbers, the report these spies came back with, they told Moses and they told all the people, they were like, listen, it's just as God said, the land is unbelievable. But you see, there are these giants in the land and they say, and in our own eyes, the way they saw themselves, we looked like grasshoppers to them. And we looked the same way in their eyes. You see, what they were doing was they were allowing the stain of the past to be the filter through which they saw their future. And they found themselves not getting to experience the life that they always wanted. So today I want to go through three different phases of freedom, okay? There's three different places that every single one of us in this room, every single person that you'll come into contact with, we're all at one point in one of these phases. There's three phases. The first one is very simple. It is bondage. It's the bondage. This is where the nation of Israel was under Pharaoh's rule. When they were being slaves, under captivity with whips and chains, being told what to do, and you see, the Bible says that all of us, every single person in this room, we were born into this world, into this flesh suit, and the Bible tells us that we were born into sin, right? That's bondage. That everything that, that the enemy, the fall of man, that's what we were born into. Not living the life, no hope, death. But you see, God made a way. God sent a deliverer just like he did with Moses to the nation of Israel. And if we cry out, that's what gets us to the second phase. The second phase is deliverance. And every single one of us in here, you have the ability to be delivered. God can deliver you. He does it, and we can take care of that today. You can move from bondage to being delivered. But you see, then we've got this third phase We've got this third area that maybe some of you are in here today. If you're not in bondage and you know, like, I'm, I've been delivered, maybe some of you have made it into the third phase, which is freedom. It's living that life, everything that you've dreamed. The Bible says that you can live life to the fullest, abundant life, overflowing. You have that option. You can live that life. It's available to you. Some of you here, you're living in this place. The life that you have, you're living in complete freedom. So by the end of the day today, what I want us to do is I want you to be able to understand, where am I at? Am I still in bondage? Am I in that place where I'm in chains, I know I'm still working through some stuff and I need to call out for help. I need a savior, I need a deliverer. Have you been delivered? You're no longer there. Or are you living 
life to the fullest, experiencing everything that God wants you to experience. You see, there came this time, we talk about deliverance and freedom. God will not take you from bondage to the promised land. He's not gonna take you from Egypt into the life that you want because he didn't do it with the nation of Israel. And you know what? He didn't do it with Jesus. Wow. Like what would make us think if he doesn't do it with Jesus, right? There's this story in the gospels. You read through the life of Jesus and he's lived for 30 years. He's doing life and he comes to this point where he's ready to begin his life of ministry. And he comes down and there's this guy named John who's baptizing people in the river. And Jesus walks down to him and he says, John, I need you to baptize me. And they have this exchange. No, Jesus, like you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, you're going to baptize me. And John's like, all right, cool, you win. And so John baptizes Jesus. And there's this whole scene that plays out where the Bible says that in that moment, the heavens open. And a dove comes down and it lands on Jesus' shoulder. And a voice is heard from heaven, God himself speaking, saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And from that moment, then Jesus immediately stood up and began healing people and freeing people and, and living the life that God had sent him to this earth to live, right? No, that's not what happened. Jesus went from the waters of baptism, beginning his ministry, and the Bible tells us that immediately he was led into the wilderness. And the Bible says it was there that he was tempted by Satan himself for 40 days. You see, Jesus had to go through a wilderness. The nation of Israel had to go through a wilderness because you see there's a gap between deliverance and freedom. And the wilderness is a really, really important place. So today I want to give you four main statements, four ideas that are going to help you understand the difference between deliverance and freedom. The first one is this. Deliverance is being externally removed from the environment of oppression. Freedom is the mental removal from oppression, right? So it's different. The nation of Israel was physically moved. God delivered them and the chains came off, the whips were laid down and they walked out. Moved out of Egypt. I don't live there no more. Forward my mail. I ain't coming back. But you see, there was this mental and emotional place that they were still identifying with the thoughts and the ways of Egypt. They were still finding themselves in that place. They weren't in Egypt but Egypt wasn't out of them yet. They were still dealing with some stuff. You see, they'd been delivered, but they weren't free. The next statement is this. Deliverance is an act of God. Freedom is submission to God. And this is where it gets fun, because you know the one word that every single person in this room does not like in this statement? Right here. Don't none of y'all want to submit because you know what that means? That means you don't get to do what you want to do. That means you have to lay down your desires and your thoughts and your plans. And you have to submit to God's way of doing things. So that's what he did with the nation of Israel. He said, no, in the wilderness, you have to do what I tell you to do. And they had this whole idea about what it was going to look like. They didn't want to submit. You see, they thought, hey, I've been delivered. Now I get to do what I want to do. God said, that's not the way it works if you want to experience freedom. 
That's what this looks like. In this place today, all of us want freedom. That's, that's a given, right? All of us want to experience, if you're married in here, you want the perfect marriage. Nobody's here and you want your marriage to be bad. Like regardless, ma'am, of what you think of your husband, he isn't purposefully trying to tank your relationship, okay? All of us want the perfect marriage. And in this place today, if I told you, listen, God has given me a word, the spirit is here, and here's what I need you to do. If before you leave today, you and your wife will come up here and touch this stage together, I promise you, immediately when you walk out of the doors, you will have the marriage you've dreamed of. Everything will change. Communication will be better. The sex will be better. Everything you wanted, all you got to do is touch the stage and then go about your business. Do you know how many of y'all would come down here and touch this stage? <laughs> I've seen you forward and share the, met- the letters on Facebook just in case Bill Gates can do that. <laughs> I, hey, why not, right? We all want financial freedom. We all, we all want to walk without debt. We want to be able to be generous. You see somebody, hey, man, I want to pay for your meal today. You want to be able to do that. We want to be financially free. And if I told you, listen, God has given me a supernatural power today that before you leave, if you will walk up to me and shake my hand, God is going to move, and immediately when you get to your car, there's going to be a million dollars waiting on every single one of you. Like, it's going to be miraculous. All you got to do is come shake my hand. Do you know how many of y'all would come and tackle me as soon as I walk off this stage? You might not even let me get done. Some of y'all would come right now, right? Because we all want freedom. We want that. But see, what you're actually asked, like, deliverance is the act of God. In order for you to have freedom, it takes submission. That's, this is what that looks like. Hey, I know you want that marriage, right, where the communication's open, where she honors and respects you. Ma'am, where he loves you like Christ loved the church. So this is what it's going to look like. We're going to offer a connect group. We're going to offer a class. And there's going to be a couple that's been married for 50 years who's done it wrong and they've done it right and they're living life to the fullest. They've got a great relationship and they're going to walk you through. This is how you communicate. This is how you deny yourself and submit to one another. This is how you open all those lines. This is how you can have the great sex life that you want. Do you know how many of you would sign up for the class? I do, because I know how many of you signed up for the class. (laughs) Financially, if I told you, hey, listen, it's going to take submission, but we've got this group, like we've got some people who have done really, really well financially, and they know what it looks like to live financially free. And if you'll come, if you'll sign up, you'll make it a priority to come every single week for 12 weeks. They're going to give you the tools that you need to set a budget, to live within your means, right? To begin to do your finances the way God says do your finances, right? To submit to him, to teach you what tithing and giving is all about. And when you do that, you're going to have financial freedom. Do you know how many of you would sign up for the class? Yes, I do know how many of you signed up for the class. But here's the deal. I'm not throwing stones at you. That's just our mindset. We all want freedom, but we want it to come as an act of God, and that's not the way it works. 
Deliverance is free. It comes quick. We'll get there. Freedom is submission, and we don't like that very much. See, Pastor Steve said it last week. I love this statement. I'm going to bring it back. He said that God will not trust you until he tests you. That's what the wilderness is all about. You see, God could not allow the mindset of Egypt, those ways of thinking, those ways of doing things, he could not allow Egypt into the promised land. And throughout the wilderness, there was way too much Egypt in the Israelites for God to allow them into that promised land, into that perfect life. Because you know what would happen? They would have ruined it. So they had this period they had to go through. How do you make, science tells you, the trip was 11 days. It should have taken them 11 days and it took them 40 years. Why is that? It's because they never passed the test. They never passed the test. Of the two and a half million people that walked out of Egypt into the wilderness on their way to the promised land, do you know how many of them actually ever made it? Two. Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that came back and said, we can do this. God's given us the power. We can take the land. And everybody else said, no, can't do it. You see, they failed the test. And if you fail the test, God knows I can't trust you. I can't trust you with the life that I want you to have because if I let Egypt into the promised land, you're going to ruin it. The next statement is this. See, deliverance is free. It's instantaneous. It happens. Freedom comes at a high price. The entire time the nation of Israel was in the wilderness, for those 40 years, the Bible tells us that God gave them everything they needed. He fed them with food from heaven. He let a cloud follow them so that the sun for the day wouldn't burn down on them. They'd be in shade. They'd be able to make it through the desert. He allowed a pillar of fire to follow them, to be over them at night because it gets really cold in the desert so that they would be warm and so that they could see. It says that the Bible, their clothes didn't even wear out for 40 years. Like, the, like what you got on, you're good. Don't worry about needing a new pair of shoes. Like it's all going to be good for 40 years. They didn't have to do anything. But you see, when they got to the promised land, well, now all of a sudden I got to fight. And all of a sudden, I got to run giants out. They had to plant their own food. They had to work their own fields. You see, they, that high price, slavery is easy. But freedom brings about a responsibility, and responsibility cost a whole lot. And they weren't willing to pay it. The last statement, delivery, deliverance is instantaneous. Freedom is a journey. It doesn't happen the way you want it to happen. It doesn't happen immediately. Pastor Steve talked last week about his love for old black and white movies, right? I'm the same, like I love, I'm right where with him, man, like tied together. I know y'all look at me and you're like, he is so young and so good looking. And I know y'all say that, but I'm an old soul, right? Like I, I've always been that way. I listen to old music. I like old TV. I can remember being like 10 and 11 and every single night, like some of y'all caught these TV shows when they came on like normal TV. I was a TV land guy, right? But I loved watching 
the shows like Green Acres. Y'all remember Green Acres? Raise your hand if you remember Green Acres. Some, all right, I'm feeling good about this, right? Farm living is the life for me. I grew up in Green Hill, y'all. Farm living is still the life for me. Loves Green Acres. I love Mr. Ed. Y'all know Mr. Ed? Hello, Wilbur. It's a talking horse. How do you not get down with that? It's awesome. Possibly the best black and white TV show of all time, Andy Griffith. Anybody in Andy Griffith's show? Yeah. And then they ruined it when they put it in color, right? I, I don't know why I can't watch the color ones. I don't know what changed, but if it's not black and white, it's different. Love Mayberry, love some Andy Griffith, but if I had to like the funniest one to me, like I love Andy Griffith, he's probably the funniest and probably my favorite was this story about a man named Jed. Y'all remember that one? <laughs> the Beverly Hillbillies, anybody, right? Poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food. Went up from the ground, come a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. Takes his tea. See, somebody's down. The next thing you know, oh, Jed's a millionaire. See, I can sing every, I love the Beverly Hillbillies. But you see, it's interesting to me. Meanwhile, we can laugh at Granny, we can laugh at Ellie Mae, and just, like it's, it's so humorous to see the way they're living life. But you see, it's a perfect picture of what we're talking about today. You see, the Clampets had been delivered from a life of poverty. They were millionaires, y'all. Swimming pools and movie stars. They'd been delivered physically. They had moved locations. But you see, they weren't free. They had moved and they were living a life that they weren't held down to the shackles, the bondage of being poor. And he didn't have to worry about being able to feed his family anymore. But yet they found themselves in this monstrous mansion with all these millions. And they're still cooking up some roadkill stew, right? They're still driving the busted up truck. They're still got the cement pond. And it's funny when you watch it on TV. See, how sad is it when you realize how many Christians are living that exact same life? See, they've been delivered. What Jesus did on the cross has saved them. And I don't care what your religious background tells you. I don't care what the denomination has preached to you. Your salvation, your deliverance was free. It was instantaneous and it was an act of God. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You can't do anything to lose it. It's sealed. Done. Once you go from bondage to deliverance, you're free. But are you living in freedom? See, that's a whole other step. And way too many Christians are living their life, going through the motions, still struggling with the same mindsets, the same thought processes that they had back in the day, still doing the same old thing, expecting it to get them to that life that they always want. And God from heaven is saying, listen, you, you can't do that. You got to pass the test. You got to submit your life to what I'm telling you to do. Otherwise, you're the clampets. And you have access to everything that you need to live the life that I've told you you can have. He said the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. 
and yet we walk around defeated. Many of you walk around and you question your salvation. So every time we give a salvation message, you raise your hand just to be safe. Because I don't know. Because nothing's just, I might have moved physical locations, but nothing's different. You've been baptized 10 times because you know there's more. And today I'm hoping you understand how you get there. You gotta, you gotta do what God says. You gotta give your life to him, not just your sin. It takes submission to everything he's called us to do. Pastor Steve said last week that your future calling is greater than your current comfort. It's so true, but do you know where your current comfort lies? In the wilderness. It's going to take some work for you to have that life that you can have because God's already given it to you. But he's here to tell you today, you got to take it. You have to fight the battles. You have to fight the temptation. You have to take those thoughts captive. Romans 12, 2 says what? If you want to be transformed, what do you have to do? You have to renew your mind. Way too many people are released from bondage. They're delivered, but they never change the way they think. It never changes the way they act, and therefore they die in the wilderness just like the nation of Israel did. And they never experience all that God told them they could have. A land flowing with milk and honey. So my question for you today is, where, where are you at? Like, which, which of the three do you find yourself in today? So I want to ask everybody to bow their heads. I want you to close your eyes because some of you are in here today and you know you're still in bondage. Like, you're still struggling with those chains of sin. It's still holding you back. And in this moment, immediately... We can deal with that right now. God can deliver you. He's already paid the price for you. All you have to do is say, Jesus, help me, and he'll do it. So if that's you and you know I'm in here and I'm dealing with bondage, I need to be free, I need to be delivered, I want you to raise your hand wherever you're at in here. You're tired of the shackles. You're tired of the chains. You want to live If you raised your hand, the prayer is simple. We can walk you through all these things, but the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks, and all you have to do is open the door. So literally, I want your prayer today to be, Jesus, help. And I promise he'll deliver you. And it will be instantaneous. Your eternity will be sealed and done. But I gotta tell you, the solid food part is that once you've been delivered, now i got to tell you, now's when the fight begins. Because you see, there's some of you in here, and you are in that delivered phase. You know you've been saved. You've been let out of that previous life, but you also know that you have not yet stepped into that promised land of living. So if that's you and you're in here today and you know, like, I'm a Christian, I have put my faith in God. He has saved me. He has delivered me. But I also know that I have not submitted to him and I am not living that life. I want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. 
There's no shame in it. But there is a better way. God, I pray for every single hand that you've got in this house that's in the air right now. God, I pray that you would give them the strength to fight the battles that you have in front of them. I pray that you would give them the faith to trust you, that they would lean on you, Father, not on their own strength, not on their own power, but God, that they would understand that victory is yours. And that just like Pastor Steve said, that you go before them, that you've got their back. Allow them to see the path to their promised land, Father. Give them the courage to walk it and to take that land. See, some of you are in here and you are living that free life where you're untouchable. Yes, bad things can happen to you. Yes, you have loss. Yes, you can have sickness because we still live in a fallen world. Sin is still real, but you know what? When you make it into that free life living, all of a sudden when bankruptcy hits, yeah, but I'm blessed, you know? God's, God's got this. The loss of a loved one, yeah, but God's got them. I'm good. And if you're in here today and you didn't raise your hand, I want to thank God for you because God... We need the people who've been to the promised land, God. We need people who know the way so that they can come back just as those spies, just like Joshua and Caleb and say, listen, I've seen it. I know it's there. I know it's real and I know it's available and I can tell you how to get there. So God, I thank you for those people in the room that are living a free life, living life to the fullest, Father, and I pray you would continue to pour out your blessings on them. In Jesus' name, God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the revelation, God, that you are real, that you are powerful. You are our Savior. You are our Deliverer, Father, and that there is freedom in you, God, because your scripture tells us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We love you, God. We worship you today. Thank you for your son, Jesus, because it's in his name that we ask all these things and we pray.